You're listening to The Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. Good morning, everybody. This is Paul Kurtman here on The Paul Kurtman Show, News Talk STL. And uh, we've got a lot that we're going to be covering today. Uh, First and foremost is probably the news that is probably still on your mind, and that is President Biden's speech that he delivered Thursday night. There is so much to unpack here. We're going to get to that here in just a couple minutes. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to play a bunch of clips and piece by piece. We're going to talk about what President Biden is actually saying. We know what he said, but what is he trying to say? What is the message he's really communicating? There's just so much happening uh, with this speech that we have got to get to and discuss and really just unpack. Uh, But then in the second segment today, we're going to be talking to Anna Strasburg. I had met Anna when I was a member of the Missouri State House. Uh, She was running across America. She started running, I think, in California, and she was running all the way to the East Coast. She is a pro-life activist. And so while Anna was physically running across the country, she was stopping and having conversations with congressmen. She was having conversations with governors and other pro-life activists, churches, different organizations. And she has recently released a book called One Mile Away. We're going to have Anna on to talk about that here in the second segment. But For the first segment and also for the third. Now, I know if you're listening to this show, you're probably really excited for the B or not the B. We are not going to play that today, okay? We are going to forego the B or not the B. I love the game. It's a lot of fun. But today, we're just not going to be able to do it because this speech from President Biden, uh, there's There's so much that I want to get to in this. And so we're going to spend the majority of today's show just talking about that. But let's go ahead and just get right into that here in a minute. But before I do, I just want to introduce my new producer, Zach Factor. Zach, thanks for being here today. No problem. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I I don't, uh, I think I met you for the first time really just, what, the other week? Yeah, it was when you were filling in, uh, I think, on Tim and Chris' show. Yeah, that's right. So um, you have an amazing name. Thank First you. off, that, <laughs> I that, that is I, when Tony told me your name, I was thinking to myself, this is the best radio name I think I've ever heard, but that's your real name, Zach that, Factor. That is the real name. Okay. How do you spell that last name? F-A-C-T-O-R? Yeah, just like in math. Okay. <laughs> like a factor of three. <laughs> like a factor of three. <laughs> yep. I love the way my wife was a high school math teacher for 14 or 15 years. She's going to absolutely love the fact that you you said, yeah, you spell it just the same way you do in math. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> She'll like that. Let's go ahead and get into this Biden speech real quick because, um, you know, I I had a conversation uh, on Friday with Mike Ferguson about this speech. Now, uh, Mike Ferguson for Mike Ferguson in the morning, his position on this speech is this is just a distraction. Republicans don't take the bait. But that's not what concerns me about this speech. It's not the fact that Republicans are going to be distracted because really this this actually makes This actually fires Republicans up even more. This is not going to distract Republicans and make them not go to the polls in November. It's not like Republicans are going to say, you know what? We have 40-year high inflation. We're experiencing inflation at a high that we haven't seen since the early 1980s, late 1970s. But now, now that President Biden is calling MAGA supporters extremists, white supremacists, clear and present danger to American democracy— Now we're distracted by that speech, so this is not going to fare well for Republicans in November because now a lot of us are going to sit home or we're going to get too hyped up on this speech. This I don't see this as a distraction. I see this as 
a contribution to the problem that President Biden is for the country. The divisiveness. It is a contribution. It's an adding to the problem that he's created in terms of the divisiveness that we've had in our country. I don't see this as a distraction. I see this as more of a problem that we have to deal with. I'm going to go ahead and play this first clip. This is President Biden at the beginning of his speech um, on Thursday night. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. President Biden, what is happening is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans are extremists, and that's a threat. He's saying that that's a threat to the country. Now, when I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the conversation that I had with Mike Ferguson, Ken Williams, and Gabe Pfeiffer the other day because it's relevant to, to the conversation that we're having right now. President Biden says too much of what is happening is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans are extremists. They're a threat to democracy in America. Uh, Mike Ferguson sees this speech as an attack on Donald Trump. I see this speech as an attack on half the country. I see this speech as an attack on me. Listen, I, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I did not necessarily support Donald Trump when he first began to run. I was with Rand Paul. I was with Ted Cruz. I was with Donald Trump when he was the last nominee for the Republican Party in 2016. And then he got elected and actually did what he said he was going to do. And then I said, you know, I'm definitely for this guy in the second election also. He is this is this is my candidate. But I don't see this speech as an attack on Donald Trump. I see this speech as an attack on Republicans. Now, President Biden just said here, you know, not all Republicans, not even the majority of them are MAGA Republicans. Well, I don't know. I don't really understand how he could know this. I mean, where where is the information? Where's the data that helps us determine how much of Republican support is for Donald Trump and how much Republican support is for anybody but Donald Trump? It's really it would have, would have to be incredibly hard to figure that out because Republicans made this guy the nominee not once but twice and actually elected him president once and voted for him in the second presidential election that he ran in, in 2020. So how can you say that the majority of Republicans are not for Donald Trump? President Biden doesn't know any of that information. This is just the type of rhetoric that you would say when you're trying to lead people to believe that you're really not for all, you're not really against all Republicans, just this small faction. Well, a small faction of Republicans doesn't get a Donald Trump elected to become the nominee of the GOP party. Let's move on a little bit here. I want to move on to clip two here. This is, this is uh, if you go to paulkirtman.com, scroll all the way down to radio number 66, and you'll see the video that I have posted, and you'll see the timestamps of all these clips that I'm playing. I'm going to move now to the second clip. This is right at about minute 11.22 in this video. Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Okay, so he just contradicted his first statement. 
His first statement said that the Republican Party, you know, MAGA Republicans don't even make up the majority of the Republican Party. So I'm not going after all Republicans. But then within a minute, he says the Republican Party is dominated by MAGA Republicans. You can't have it both ways. Did, am, I, am I going crazy here, Zach? Does no. that make sense? No, it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't make sense? No. What he said. Right. Okay. What I said makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What you said makes sense. <laughs> so President Biden first says that the vast majority of Republicans, they're good. They're not MAGA Republicans. In less than a minute later, he says that the Republican Party is dominated by MAGA Republicans. And from this point forward, so now he is setting the stage. He first came off saying everything's fine. Everything's cool. I'm not against all Republicans. We have to be very concerned about a small faction. But as soon as he says that, so he got his little bullet point in that he's trying to unite people, right? Because we're talking Mm -hmm. about a small faction. He immediately says the exact opposite and says that the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. But now we need to find out what exactly what exactly it is he has to say about MAGA Republicans. But before we get to that point, he wants to tell everybody how concerned he is, how important it is that he delivers this speech, because the truth has to get out. And President Biden, if he's not committed to the truth, he's not committed to anything. Listen to this. My duty to love with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. No matter how difficult, no matter how painful, President Biden is dedicated to fulfilling his duty as president of the United States of America, and he's going to make sure the American people have the truth, except if it involves his son's laptop, except if it involves all the consultants in the uh, electric vehicle industry that have made their way to the White House to help write the Inflation Reduction Act which overwhelmingly is steering the country by force into green energy, the whole Green New Deal, because we got to save the planet. He actually says in this speech later on in the speech, he says how important it is that we have to save the planet. But President Biden right now is telling us that he is committed to telling us the truth. He's going to fulfill his duty to tell us the truth, no matter how difficult, how painful. Well, all I have to say to that is how big of a hypocrite do you have to be to tell us standing in front of Independence Hall, no less, to tell the American people that what he's going to do is going to be painful, it's going to be hard, but I got to tell you the truth. And the truth is, is that the Republicans are a danger to everybody in this country. And, and it might sound crazy, right? If, you're, if you haven't actually listened to the speech and you're hearing me tell you that President Biden has identified Republicans as the number one threat to the survival of our country That's exactly what he says in this speech. And it's his duty to make sure that he tells the truth. Now, we're going to begin to get into the speech a little bit deeper because I am telling you, look, I served in the legislature for eight years. I have run five campaigns of my own. I was successful on four of them. I can fully understand the rhetoric that goes along with campaigning that sounds very warlike. You'll hear candidates say things like, we're in a battle for the future of America. We can't let them win. You know, you use rhetoric like that, okay? Talk about battle. This is a war. It's a war of ideas. But when you actually listen to military commanders, and I can speak with a little authority on this too, because I was an infantryman in the United States Marine Corps for four years on active duty, and I spent several years in the Marine Corps. I've been overseas a number of times. I've had an opportunity to follow great leaders and meet some of the best 
legitimate gunfighters and warriors in our country. And I've heard him give speeches and I've heard him arouse the troops from time to time. I've had an opportunity to do a little bit of that myself. And there is a difference between political rhetoric in which you're using analogies that are warlike. There's a difference between all of that and saying things in which you're communicating to your audience that there is an enemy who is a poses a clear and present danger to your way of life. Clear and present danger. And when you use words like violence and attack and threat, when you incorporate those that type of verbiage, that type of language that would insinuate to your audience, we are facing a threat so bad that unless we do something about it, your life, your property is in jeopardy. It's in danger. The way of life for your children will never be the same. When you use the type of rhetoric where you're telling people, listen, the enemy, the other side has made their decision. They know what they want for this country. They want lies. They want deceit. They want oppression. When you say that the up the other side, the other political party is a white supremacist, that they're a, quote, clear and present danger. When you use that type of verbiage and language, you are communicating to your audience that it is up to you to stop them from their attacks. And it goes a little bit further. He actually gets really detailed. He actually starts making some predictions for some violence in America. We're going to play that clip here in just a second. What's our time look like right now, Zach? You got a minute 30. Minute 30. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play uh, maybe one more clip here. Minute 1231 into this speech. This is where President Biden starts talking about MAGA. Now, let me ask you this while you listen to this clip. Does this not sound like he's talking about a military, like an enemy military force? Those are determined to take this country backwards. Election deniers to undermine democracy itself. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. MAGA forces. He's not talking about, in this case, he's not just talking about Republicans. He's not talking about people with a different idea or a different interpretation of our Constitution. He's going so far as to say MAGA forces. What is a MAGA force? That's the question people should be asking. When you have the commander-in-chief using the same type of rhetoric that he would use when he's trying to rouse the American people to stage a resistance against an invading enemy, you would refer to the invading enemy as a force, MAGA forces. Since when have you ever heard Republicans say Republican forces, liberal forces? I'm telling you. It's going it, to, I hope it doesn't get worse. This is Paul Kirkman. We'll be right back here. News Talk, STL 1019-941. Follow Paul on social media at Paul Kirkman. You're listening to The Paul Kirkman Show on News Talk STL. Follow Paul on social media at Paul Kirkman.
right, and welcome back to the Paul Kerman Show here at News Talk STL 101-9-94. I got to make sure I get that right, Zach. Yes, yeah. 101-9-94-1. <laughs> I don't want to send you to the wrong to the wrong signal, um, but I'm really pleased to have our next guest. Uh, this is uh, a young woman that I had met a number of years ago when I was in the legislature. Of course, a number of years ago when I was serving in the legislature, I had to follow really good leadership on a number of issues. One of those issues was the uh, issue relating to the pro-life cause that we've been fighting in the state of Missouri for quite a long time. And uh, a friend of mine, Amber, at my church had told me about our next guest and said that she was running across America. And as soon as I as soon as I heard that somebody was running across America, I thought to myself, first off, that's really cool. Second thought I had was, why in the world would you want to do that? But joining us on the phone right now is Anna Strasberg. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. You are the founder of Project If Life. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about what Project If Life is? And also tell us a little bit about what it was that prompted you to run across the country and as you were running across the country, um, what were you doing, and and how long did that take? Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. So Project If Life is a ministry dedicated to ending abortion. Uh, but I see the end of abortion through education. Um, I have an education background, and I love to teach. So my whole goal is to educate people about the beauty of life in the womb and fetal development, and then also teach them about the horrors of abortion. So I got started actually when I was in the fifth grade. I had a super pro-life teacher uh, who was just so um, impassioned about life in the womb and about uh, children. And uh, she told me all about how beautiful it was, and it just struck a chord in my heart. And then she finished with telling um, our class that people killed these children. And that for some reason, that class, that, that setting stuck with me. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it after that. And from then on, I had this burden about the pro-life movement, this care to end abortion. And I tried to do some stuff um, constantly, uh, but it wasn't until I was a sophomore in college and I was actually training uh, for a half marathon and praying. And at the end of my run, I got kind of frustrated because I felt like I had no way to live out the police movement. And I asked God, I said, God, if you want me, um, and I was studying to be a math teacher, so I said, God, if you want me to be a math teacher, that's what I'll do. But if that's what you want me to do, I don't want to care about the unborn anymore. I don't want to care. But if you want me to do something to protect these children, then please, God, give me a way to live it out. But I'm so tired of caring and not having a way to live it out. And in that finishing sprint of that training run, God laid it on my heart to run across America to end abortion. And so that's exactly what I uh, did when I graduated college. I started um, actually in the middle in Kansas, and I ran west, um, 1,700 miles. Uh, and then I drove back to Kansas and started again and went east, but that time on a bicycle because of knee injuries. And I ended up completing my journey uh, in 15 months, a total of 2,900 miles, um, and speaking all across the country uh, to educate people about abortion and fetal development and then to activate them into the movement. So, Anna, um, while you were running, I remember when you came through Missouri, you had an opportunity. Uh, you came and visited our church. You, you came over to my wife and I's house, and we had some folks over there. And I know that you've spoken in churches. Uh, you also had an opportunity to speak with political leaders uh, while you were traveling across, traveling across the country. From all of this, I can only imagine how happy you must have been to find out that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade. Is that the end of the pro-life fight, or is there more to be done? Because obviously it just kind of kicks the issue back to the states, but how has that Supreme Court ruling changed or otherwise modified your mission? 
Well, it's only made it easier for us as a pro-life movement. By no means are we done. As you know, um, like you said, it went back to the states, uh, which means that now states individually can outlaw abortion. So we have so much more ability to get victory, whereas before uh, we pretty much could only try to help women who were in the situation of an unplanned pregnancy, but we couldn't do anything to pass laws to end abortion. And now we can. Now we can actually see the fruit of our labor for what people have been praying for uh, since even before Roe was passed in 1973, uh, the end of abortion uh, in the United States, so we can work towards that. So um, personally, with my ministry, I'm still doing the same thing. I can just focus more on specific states, um, traveling a lot more to California, different places like that, that have um, pro-abortion laws still in place and work to end those. But like I said, my main thing is to educate people about life in the womb, teach them that it's a human, teach them it's uh, a human from the moment of conception, um, and that they need our protection, and that abortion intentionally and directly kills an innocent human life, and that will always be wrong. So when you finished your your run, uh, you had written a book. It's called One Mile More. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what is in the book? From the title, I can tell that it, it deals with your run across the country and probably the different things that you experienced on that run. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in the book? When is the book going to be out or is it already out? Where can people go to get it? Yes, um, Paul, I'm so excited about this book. So, yeah, it is about the journey. Um, So One Mile More was the slogan I told myself when I faced the 2,900 miles. I felt so overwhelmed by that many miles. And so God told me to t- take it little by little, like laid it on my heart, just let, just do what you can do. And for me, when I was facing 10, 15, 20 miles a day while running, I felt like if I could just do one mile more, that's all I, that's, if that's all I could do, I, I was doing my best to defend the preborn. If I could just take that one mile and then after that mile was completed, I would do another mile. And so the book is just about that journey, about starting in Kansas, about what it was like to run across Kansas, to live in a van, to be homeless, um, to stand for a cause that's so controversial that people get so angry about uh, what it was like living in a van during the winter uh, in, in the Rockies, cro- cro- running, literally physically running across the Rockies, being in the deserts of California, uh, facing uh, intense injuries, rejection, uh, just so many hardships, but also seeing the pro-life movement advance. Also um, going from having nobody listen and, and having very few doors open to having God open so many doors and speaking in so many places and uh, doing interviews and being able to spread the truth about the beauty of life in the womb and being able to, to work um, individually to see people change their minds from being pro-abortion to valuing life in the womb. So the book details the whole journey, all the struggles and all the joys um, all the way through the finish of, of the project. What is the thing that you hope people take away from the book? Like after they read it, maybe they read it cover to cover, maybe they pick up and just kind of peruse it a little bit. If, if there's one message in the book that you're trying to convey to people, is it that they should be pro-life? Is it that, is this book written for people who are already pro-life trying to encourage them to stay in the fight? What is, what's the, um, the takeaway from the book that you're hoping people walk away with? It's definitely angled towards people who are already pro-life and encouraging them that what God has called them to do, they can accomplish. Uh, like I said, with that with that 3,000 miles ahead of me, I was so overwhelmed and wasn't sure if I could do what God had called me to do. But God told me, like I said, do one mile more. Just do that little bit that God has called you to today. You don't have to have the whole month worked out or the whole year worked out. There's no way we can even end abortion today. But if we slowly work, if we slowly take on our one mile at a time, we'll be able to work to end abortion. So all those people who are pro-life, who have been fighting and praying even longer than I've been alive, there is hope. We've seen Roe taken down, uh, a pillar of the abortion rights movement. 
And now um, we can we can see an end to abortion. We just have to keep pushing and keep trying, seeing that one little bit at a time uh, until we see abortion overturned in the United States. Are you still are you still speaking and and meeting with churches or meeting with activist groups? Are are you just doing that in your area? Do you do that across the country? If um, is that something that you're still doing, going out and speaking to these different groups? Yes, I still love to go out and travel and speak, not as much since I had children, but as much as I possibly can. I love getting out and um, speaking and uh, traveling the country as much as possible to educate people on what is the most important human rights issue of our, of our generation, of our lifetime. Right on. Well, I would certainly encourage people uh, to follow you on social media, to bring you out uh, to speak to their group or their organization. I think that what you've done with your run across the country, not only has it been driven really by your own deep personal conviction, uh, but you, <laughs> you know, you followed through on it. You know, there's probably a lot of people who have had big ideas of what they could do for either the pro-life movement or, or even other issues, whatever their issue is. Um, but uh, the fact that you actually went out and did it, then wrote a book and are continuing to stay engaged I think it's something that people ought to hear more about. If people want to get a hold of you or if they want to follow you on social media, if they want to find your book or if they want to invite you out to speak, where's the best place for people to go to get a hold of you, Anna? Um, my website has it all. It has all the social media links, a link to the book, a link to book me to speak, all those different things. And my website is if-life.org. So if-life.org. If-life.org. If-life. Dot org. All right. Anna, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to be driving people to your website if we can help it. And uh, we just want to uh, wish you continued success in your fight for the preborn. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. All right. That was Anna Strasberg from Project If Life, if-life.org. Make sure you go to follow Anna, get more information about her book. You can even order her book probably whenever uh, when, it, when it becomes available, if life dot org. Zach, have you ever run across America? Uh, no. Neither and, have I. And in <laughs> fact, uh, you know, those numbers she was throwing out, 1,700. Good And grief. then over 2,000. I've been helping a coworker of mine train for a marathon. And just last weekend, I helped him run 24 miles. Did you run 24 miles? No, I was on, oh. the, I was on the bike. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I was carrying the water and snacks. But uh, just knowing how far that was and then thinking about 1,700 is just crazy. Yeah, when you think about the fact that people will train for years to run a marathon, and Anna went out, and all together, she she traversed 2,900 miles, started in Kansas and ran all the way to the West Coast, mm -hmm. and then had an injury, and then because of an injury, you know, she didn't stop. Right. She just decided, I'm going to sit on a bike and, and go, you know, I'll, I'll spend a little time on a bike just probably so the injury doesn't get worse, but... I tell you what, man, like I've been convicted about things before, but never has it crossed my mind to really push the issue and educate people by way of running. Like you really have to be committed mm -hmm. if you're going to go out and run 1,700 miles or, or go 2,900 miles, run across the country. Yeah. How many people have done that? Not many. Probably not. They usually make a story and you don't hear many of them. So I know. Forrest Gump, mm -hmm. right? If <laughs> yeah. I had to name one, Forrest Gump. Yep. And I, I think there was a, a, there was a kid that did it once with a, a prosthetic leg. He was trying to raise money for cancer, oh, okay. or raise awareness for cancer. I don't know if he made it all the way across. Um, but then Anna, she's the only person. If I had to name a name of somebody who ran across the country for any reason, a cause or not, um, Anna is the only real life character that I'm aware of.
All right. What does our time look like now? We got a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have one more segment coming back after this, and I know I'm not going to get to all these clips by Joe Biden. Right. But the clips that I'm going to get to are the ones that really concern me. I don't want to say it scares me, but I want to say that I'm concerned because the president of the United States of America is drawing attention to a group of Americans and highlighting them as the enemy of America. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. I mean, we've moved beyond discussion, discourse, and debate and disagreement Mm -hmm. to the point where when you hear some of these clips, you might be concerned for your safety if your neighbor disagrees with you politically because they will look at you and say, there's the enemy of America not because, and I'm not saying that because I read it on a Facebook post, but because I heard the president of the United States of America say it. So it's getting scary. It is. It is. It is scary. And it. And I'm not so much worried about how Republicans are respond. I'm worried about how the left is going to respond when they have the backing of the commander in chief saying all of this. It, ju- it justifies their actions and their hatred and and everything else that they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what scares me. Hey, we'll come back here in just a couple minutes. Make sure you go to paulkirtman.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom, radio number 66. You'll get all these clips. And we'll be back here in just a couple minutes. News Talk STL 1019-941. Welcome back to the Paul Kurtman Show here at News Talk STL. Uh, we just had Anna Strasberg on. I want to make sure that I give her website again. Her website, she's a pro-life activist. She has a book coming out about her or her <laughs> run across the United States of America from coast to coast uh, in, in, as she got word out and educated people on the pro-life issue. The name of her book is One Mile More. And you can find more about Anna. You can follow her at all of her socials and get information about that book and get the book at her website, if-life.org, if-life.org. All right, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and move right back on to the topic, really, for this segment. And it was also the topic for our first segment. If you're listening uh, to this show like a week or days after we aired it here, um, go back and listen to the first segment. Because I set up President Biden's speech and the rhetoric that he was kind of putting out there uh, to kind of really begin to twist the Americans' minds into being more divisive and more at war and more at odds with each other. When you say things like MAGA forces are intent on undermining the country, that sounds like what FDR would have said about the, the Axis powers in World War II. Axis forces are going to be invading Europe. You know, when you use that word forces, that's a very militaristic term. I've never, as, as long as I've been involved in politics and campaigns, and I understand the battle-like rhetoric of campaigning, 
I have never, ever heard anybody refer to the opposition as forces. You know, Democrat forces are on their way here right now. That That is like really upping the ante, the upping the ante on um, on the rhetoric that is just in, inflaming people across the country. And I think it was highly irresponsible, but this wasn't done on accident. But now listen to this. So after he says MAGA forces are determined to take this country backward, he starts talking about January 6th. So not only he's saying that MAGA forces, he's really trying to convey MAGA Republicans or Republicans in general, conservatives, as being very militaristic people that are out to do harm and undermine the country. Listen to this clip where he starts talking about January 6th. Undermine democracy itself. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose. Okay, that was what we had just played a minute ago before in the first segment. Now I'm going to play this clip on January 6th. Sorry about that. I had my clips a little bit mixed up. Here we go. Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots, and they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. Okay. This this is a prediction that President Biden is making that we are going to see more violence as MAGA forces try to overturn the 2022 and 2024 election. January 6th was preparation When I was in the Marines as a squad leader in the infantry, from time to time, we would get what's called a warning order. And this is when your platoon commander, your company commander comes down and they say, here's what the mission is. Here's your objective. Here's all the troops you have to accomplish your mission and take that objective. And so before we would actually step off on patrol, if we had the opportunity, we would actually do rehearsals. There were times where I have been on a ship. There have been times where I've been in a gymnasium or a rec center where we would literally take masking tape and we would put it all down on the floor so that way we could basically build the floor plan of a building that we were about ready to rush into. And we would rehearse and we would rehearse and we would rehearse. So that way, if in the event that we had a real life scenario where we were actually running into the building that we were training for, We would already have an idea of where the different rooms were. We would already know who's going where. I'm going down this hallway. We would already know, hey, once I get down this hallway and I get to the other wing of this building, I know that there's going to be two rooms on the left and one room on the right. We would rehearse in preparation for a mission that we were getting ready to execute with live ammunition. So when President Biden, the commander in chief, says that MAGA forces see January 6th as preparation for overturning the elections in 2022 and 2024, President Biden is telling the American people that you can expect more violence on 2022 and 2024. And whose fault is it? It's the MAGA Republicans. It's the conservatives. It's people who doubt that the election was nothing less than the bastion of integrity and foolproof. 
This is what I'm talking about when I say that President Biden has gone way too far. I don't think that we've ever had a president of the United States use this kind of rhetoric on the American people, directed at the American people, probably since the Civil War, when President Lincoln was literally at war with the southern states. President Biden is setting the stage. And I'm not saying, I don't think that this is a distraction for Republicans. Listen, we're already against President Biden's policies for sure. We are experiencing inflation like we haven't seen in over four decades. This is just adding fuel to the fire. It's not a distraction from all the bad things he's done, the bad policies and the economy that he's ushered in for us. It's not a distraction from that. This is just another problem that you're adding on top of that. And it's nothing but divisiveness. The whole point to this speech was to draw a deeper line in the sand between people on the left and people on the right. Let's go a little bit further. Let's see. I, I, I'm not going to have time to play all these clips, but let's listen to clip number uh, at minute 1353 here. Michael Ludwig has called Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans, quote, a clear and present danger to our democracy. Again, this is that militaristic warlike rhetoric that you use when you're talking about the enemy. Clear and present danger. Since when is somebody on the other political party a clear and present danger? How in the world are Republicans and Democrats a clear and present danger to the other, let alone how in the world are Republicans a clear and present danger to the American way of life, to our democracy, as he likes to call it? How are we a clear and present danger? There are movies called Clear and Present Danger. Tom Clancy, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about a clear and present danger, you're talking about a threat that you need to neutralize fast because it poses a clear and present danger. How do you deal with a clear and present danger? You have to neutralize the threat. This is why this type of rhetoric is highly irresponsible coming from the commander-in-chief directed to the American people. It's not just a distraction. It's a compounding of the problem brought on by President Biden. I'm going to play another clip here, 1414, into the video. You can find this video, the link that I'm using for, for these clips, at paulkirtman.com. In the face of these threats, we are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on the democracy. We're not bystanders in this ongoing attack. So now we've used words like, we've used phrases like clear and present danger. We've used words like uh, January 6th was preparation for the violence, preparation for 2022 and 2024. He's saying that MAGA forces are intent on taking the country backward. Man, I, I have not, this is remarkable. The, I think that this speech could easily turn into a moment that history books refer back to. I hope it doesn't. But I'm telling you what, with this type of rhetoric coming from the White House, it easily could. And that concerns me. I'm going to go on here. There's, a, there's just a couple more clips that I want to get to. Man, I wish I had more time for this. I'm going to go straight to minute number 2527. Because at this point, and, and you need to know that probably the last 20% of the speech, President Biden begins to campaign for the Democrats. He says that, 
He says, we have done this. We have done this. We have done gun control. We've done health care. We've done, I mean, he just starts naming all kinds of things. But then he gets to the point where he decides to partition off anybody who's been against him on anything, any of the things that he's done for the country. And he decides to put all those people, if you've disagreed with anything that he's been doing for the country, well, then you are on the side of the enemy. Let me see. I just had this clip right here. Um, oh, man. Where did it go? I should have been. I should have had these clips even, even better tightened down. Okay, 25-27. Here we go. No matter what the white supremacists and the extremists say, I made a bet on you, the American people, and that bet is paying off. So if you are not for the bet that President Biden has made on the American people, if you haven't been for the gun control bill that he passed, if you weren't for the Inflation Reduction Act, if you weren't for the student loan bailouts, he's not just saying, he's not just saying that we're just going to have to agree to disagree. He's saying you're a white supremacist. Notice he didn't say, I don't care what the white supremacist says, we shouldn't be a racist country. He didn't say that. He said, it doesn't matter what the white supremacists say, I made a bet on America and that bet is paying off. This is after having just talked about the Inflation Reduction Act, the gun control bill. He's not even talking about racism. He just invokes white nationalists, white supremacists here. And he says if you he makes the takes the position that if you're not for my positions, you are a white supremacist. You're part of the MAGA forces. January 6th is preparation for 2022 and 2024. He says that you're trying to take this country. He says you're the maga, you're part of the MAGA forces who are trying to take the country back. He says that you, he says that you're part of the group that is participating in these quote ongoing attacks. You are quote clear and present danger. These are the words that President Biden is using to discuss the American people. Not all the American people. He'll even say not all the Republicans. Just the people that disagree with him. But now he does something even more remarkable. You see, you can't use all this type of rhetoric without giving yourself an out. So he definitely gives himself an out. Listen to this. It's up to us. Democracy begins and will be preserved. And we, the people's habits of the heart, in our character, optimism that is tested yet endures, courage that digs deep when we need it, empathy that fuels democracy, the willingness to see each other not as enemies but as fellow Americans. Okay, that is remarkable to me. After, after literally giving about a 20-minute speech and when he does nothing but identify fellow Americans as the enemy, MAGA forces, clear and present danger. They're, they're preparing their ongoing attacks for uh, 2022 and 2024. He wraps it all up by saying we shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't identify Americans as the enemy. We all need to come together in unity. But we need to understand President Biden's idea of unity is conformity and compliance to him and his agenda of the left. If you disagree with his agenda, if you disagree with these different things that he has done since he's been in office, 
You are a white supremacist. You are a clear and present danger. You are the MAGA forces trying to take this country backward. And January 6th was preparation for 2022 and 2024. I'm not so much worried how Republicans are going to respond to this because Republicans are going to continue to do what they've done. They're going to try to mind their own business. They're going to continue to be activists. What I'm concerned about is how the left is going to use this speech to justify even more violence from the left. We've seen it for years. We've seen over the last two years, the Black Lives Matter riots, the burning, the looting, the chop, the autonomous zone, the murder and mayhem that has ensued in these Democrat and liberal and progressive cities. That is all being justified by the rhetoric of President Biden in this speech. You can find this clip. You can find all these clips and this video. If you go to paulkerman.com, scroll all the way down to radio number 66. You can also find some information in the link to Anna Strasberg and her website there as well. This has been Paul Kurtman on the Paul Kurtman Radio Show with Zach Factor. Joining me as the producer. Really looking forward to this, Zach. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be back next week, next Saturday from 12 to 1, right here at News Talk STL 1019-941. There you go. (laughs) Follow Paul on social media at Paul Kirkman.